Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. You know, we are celebrating Easter this morning And, you know, it is an awesome thought to think about that Jesus Christ would go to the cross to die for us, be buried and raised again so that you and I might have the forgiveness of sins, that we might have the removal of our shame, that we might have another chance. You know, and I've been, I've been thinking a lot about that this week, and especially as I was thinking about the message. You know, sometimes, I'll be honest with you, church has gotten to the place where we think the church is just for perfect people. A church is for the people who have their act together. You know, the reality is, is none of us have our act together. And if you think you do, you can schedule an appointment with me, and I will help you out. It's not about being perfect. In fact, I'll just be flat out honest with you. If you look at the Easter story itself and what happened after the resurrection, you realize that it's about us. It's about imperfect people. And I want to talk today about Easter's redemption. I want to talk about the reality of the redemption of Easter, what Jesus did for us. And I can't think of a better way to illustrate it than from from Peter's life. And what we're going to look today is as we go through the Gospel of John, we're actually going to look at four different places in the Gospel of John. We're going to end up here at chapter 21. But we're going to see from Peter's life that he's just like you and I. He can make mistakes, but there's redemption, there's forgiveness, there's acceptance, there's a second, third, and fourth chance. And I think, to be honest with you folks, we really need to know that. We really need to hear that. You know, if you have your Bibles, I told you to turn to John chapter 21, but I want you just with me, if we're going to understand the redemption of Christ and the redemption of Jesus, we need to really follow Peter's life for a moment and and look at four incidences that happened. Four things that are going to communicate to us the meaning of that redemption. Because as we go through Peter's life, folks, we're going to go through our own lives. We're going to see that Peter, even though he's an apostle, he is just like you and I. And he makes mistakes. And he fails. He lets Jesus down. But there's redemption. There's forgiveness. There's acceptance. So I want you to hold your place there in chapter 21, and I want you, first of all, to turn back just a few chapters to chapter 13. Turn back a few chapters to chapter 13, and I want you to notice we're going to be on a Thursday night, the night in which Jesus was portrayed. He's in the upper room with his disciples. He has just told them that one of them is going to betray him and that he's going away. So I want you to notice with me, verse 36, what it says, what John records. Simon Peter said to him, that's Jesus, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered, where I'm going, you cannot follow me now, but you shall follow me afterwards. So look at what Peter does. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you? I will lay down my life. For your sake. 
Jesus answered him and said, Will you lay down your life for my sake? Most assuredly, I say to you, the rooster shall not crow till you have denied me three times. Folks, what we're looking at it here in this verse, I, I, I kind of labeled this section promises. I think we all understand promises, right? Promises that we make to God, that we communicate to him about. That's what Peter's doing there. I, and I understand why Peter did what he did. I mean, he's just heard Jesus say, one of you is going to betray me. I'm going away. And Jesus, I mean, Peter speaks up to Jesus and says, Lord, where are you going? I want to go with you. And you, you can't go with me, Peter. Well, Lord, you know I, w- I would die for you. Isn't that what we do? We want to, we want to emphasize the fact that, you know, that we're not the one that we would do whatever. We make promises and that's what Peter's doing here. And, and what I want you to see is, is that there is a, there's a sincere commitment to Jesus here. Can't take it away from Peter. If it was you and I, we'd probably do the same thing. In fact, let's just be honest. We've done the same thing, haven't we? If we're, if we're flat out honest, if you think about it, Many of us have have had moments where we've said to Jesus, Jesus, I'll do anything for you. Jesus, I'll follow you. Jesus, I understand who you are. We've done that, haven't we? We've made promises to him. And and, and let's be honest, they're they're not empty promises. They come out of our hearts because our hearts are are filled with love towards Jesus because of what he does for us, right? Do you understand what I'm saying? Nobody can take away, nobody can say, oh, you weren't sincere. Nobody can say, oh, that was just an emotional moment. No, no, in that moment, your heart was overflowing with love towards God because of the things he was doing in your life at that moment. And, And you said to him, I'll give my life for you, Jesus. Promises. You can think back. Some of you think back, and it's not a good moment when you think back because we'll talk about that in a moment. Because you don't really want to go back there. Because there was a time when you were like, yeah, I'll do anything for you, God. But I want you to notice something here. The passage just doesn't tell us Peter's desire. But I want you to see the second point now. Jesus looks past the promises. It's amazing to me. Here's, here's Peter. Jesus, I'll die for you. And look at how, how Jesus responds. It, it, it's not, it's, it, the way the language is written here, the, the structure of the text, it's, it's not kind of like he's saying, oh really? It's kind of matter of a fact. He says to him, will you lay down your life for me, Peter? Will you? Because I understand all things, Peter. And before the night is done, before the night is done, Peter, you're going to deny me three times. Before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. See, Jesus looks past the, the promises. You know, now, we don't understand that sometimes, do we? Because we made the promises, and we sometimes mess up, right? But here's the, here's the reality. Jesus knows. He knows our humanity. He knows our frailty. He looks past all of that. that that's what I think is so awesome about Jesus. So we see the promises. I want you to turn with me. Now turn over. Just you're there, go turn over to chapter 18. Let's just go a little bit further into the story. Chapter 18. We're just going to read a few sections of verses here. We're, we're in the garden now. Jesus is in the garden. Remember, he, he wants the disciples to pray. They're they're kind of they they can't make it through the night. They're, they're sleeping, and he's praying, he's struggling in the garden. 
And then we come to chapter 18, the mob shows up, the, the temple guards, the, the soldiers, the officers, the priests, the mob shows up to take Jesus. And notice with me now verse 10. We're back with Simon Peter. Look at what Simon Peter does. Then Peter, having a sword, drew it, struck the high priest's servant, cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. And Jesus said to Peter, Put your sword in its sheath. Shall I not drink the cup which my father has given me? Wow. What's going on here? I, I, I label this section reality. Reality. What do you mean reality, George? Well, remember now, we make promises, right? We make promises. We, we, we want to follow through. We'll do anything for Jesus. And obviously, Peter's doing anything for Jesus here, isn't it? I mean, seriously. Taking a sword out, whacking off somebody's ear. I mean, he's serious. Here's my point. There's a willingness to do anything in Jesus' presence. When we know that Jesus is with us, when we know that he's there with us in the midst of what we're going through, we can do anything. Why would Peter do this? Folks, if you just read a few verses beforehand, when the crowd showed up, the mob showed up, they said, are you Jesus of Nazareth? And he said, I am. And when he spoke the word, I am, the whole crowd was knocked down. Doesn't that mean power? So if you're Peter, yeah, I'm ready. Jesus speaks the word, knocks the whole crowd down. And when we sense the power of God in our life, and some of you can remember, when you, when you made that promise, you sensed the power of God in your life, and you could do anything because you love Jesus, and you wanted to follow him. But the problem is, is that's somewhat of a reality. But there's another side to the reality. Let's go down to verse 15 in chapter 18. Look what he says. Then Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did another disciple. Now that disciple was known to the high priest and went with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. But Peter stood at the door outside. Then the other disciple, who was known to the high priest, went out and spoke to her, who kept the door, and brought Peter in. Then the servant girl who kept the door said to Peter, You are not also one of this man's disciples, are you? And he said, I'm not. Notice now verse 25. Now Simon Peter stood and warmed himself, and therefore they said to him, You are not also one of his disciples, are you? And he denied it, and he said, I'm not. Look at verse 26. And one of the servants of the high priest, a relative of him, whose ear Peter cut off, did I not see you in the garden with him? And Peter again denied again, and immediately the rooster crowed. Now think about that now, folks. The guy who's got his ear whacked off by Peter, his cousin's there saying, didn't I see you in the garden? No! Here's reality. He denied him three times. He failed. We know that. Failure is real when you're alone. Failure's real when we're alone. All right, now here's, here's let's just, let's face reality. All of us are here to celebrate Easter this morning. But that's a mixed message for some of us. I'll just be flat out honest with you. That's just a mixed message. Because the reality is, is after this service is done, some of you are going to go back, and you go back to your lives, and go back to what you're doing. But, and you wish for something more. And you hear about Jesus, and you sing about Jesus, and, and you, you wish for something more. But the reality is, is that in the back of your mind, in the back of your mind that's very real, is the fact that, yeah, one time you made promises to God. 
One time you said to Jesus, Jesus, I'll follow you. I'll do whatever I can to follow you. And you maybe even experienced the victory of that. And, and when you were with him, you were following him. But what's in your mind is not when you had the victory and when you were following him and living out that promise. What's in your mind, and it's very real, is the failure. When you let him down. When you did the wrong thing. And that is very real to you. Isn't it? And so, yeah, it's wonderful to be here because that's where you're supposed to be. You're supposed to be celebrating Jesus' resurrection. But when we leave here, reality hits. You messed up. And you carry it. And it's there. Do you know what I mean? It's there. It's real. And, and you can't communicate that to anybody else. Do you know what I'm saying? It's just easier not to be involved anymore. You remember the time when you would do anything for him. But it's real. That's reality. Turn with me now to chapter 20. We'll go on to the next section in Peter's life. I label this section desperation. Because the reality is, is when you live with that fa- failure, you want something more. Right? Am I right? You remember when you made that promise, but you want something more. So so notice with me now, this is on Easter, so long ago. Mary has just met Jesus, and she runs back to tell them. Look with me at verse 2. Then she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said to them, They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid them. And Peter therefore went out, and the other disciple were going to the tomb. And so they both ran together. The other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb first. And he, stooping down, looked in and saw the linen cloths lying there, yet he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came and, following him, went into the tomb. And he saw the linen clothes lying there in the handkerchief that had been around his head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded together in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who came first went in also, and they saw and they believed. For as they did not know the scripture that he must rise again from the dead, then the disciples went away and again to their own homes. What's going on here, George? It's three days later. Peter failed. You know he's living it. The other gospels tell us that he wept. He went away and wept. And it's on that Easter morning Mary comes and says, the Lord's body is gone. They've taken him away. And notice what Peter does. Peter immediately, what does he do? He runs to the tomb. He runs from the city to the tomb. And the other disciple outruns him, but he's running. Why? Because he's desperate. He gets to the tomb. Now, the other one didn't go in. I'll tell you why he didn't go in. You have to understand the culture. Their culture is, is a Jewish culture based upon their system. To touch an unclean body or to be in the midst of an unclean body would make you unclean. Therefore, you could not make the normal sacrifices or go into the temple until things after a period of time. So it would be considered unclean to go near a body. But I'm going to tell you something. Did you notice something here? What Peter's doing, Peter just rushes in. Why? two things I want you to see here. First thing, we try to live with our failure. We try to live with it, right? You know that's in the back of his mind. 
because Jesus told him he would do it. We try to live with it, but here's what's going on. There is a desperation for something more. There's a desperation for something more. And you see that in Peter. And, and, and you see that in the longing of our hearts when we fail him, don't we? When we feel we've been put on the shelf. When we've placed ourselves on the shelf because of the things that we do wrong. There, we want something more, right? We want something more because we made those promises. We remember when we walked with the Lord. We remember when we saw the victories, but we messed up, and we want something more again. And so some of us, we've convinced ourselves so much now that there's no way we could ever get back, no way we could ever be right with him again, but yet we long. In fact, we show up on Easter hoping, hoping for something more, don't we? That's desperation. So now we come to chapter 21. Now we come to our main passage. You mean, George, that was all introduction? Yeah, it was. Does that mean we're going to be here another hour? No. But I want you to see something. Look with me at chapter 21. And after these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples in the Sea of Tiberias. And in this way, he showed himself. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Canaan and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, two other of the disciples were together. And Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. And they said to him, we're going with you also. And they went out immediately and got into the boat that night. They caught nothing. But when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know it was Jesus. And Jesus said to them, children, have you any food? And they answered him, no. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. So they cast and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. Therefore the disciples whom whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he had removed it, and plunged into the sea. And the other disciples came in the little boat, for they were not far from land, about 200 cubits, dragging the net with fish. And as soon as they had come to the land, they saw a fire with coals, and there was fish laid on it and bread. And Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish which you have just caught. And Simon Peter went up and dragged the net to the land full of large fish, 153, although there were so many that the net was not broken. And Jesus said to them, come and eat breakfast. Yet none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? Knowing it was the Lord. Then Jesus then came and took the bread and gave it to them and likewise the fish. This is now the third time Jesus showed himself to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. Now here we go. Look at verse 15. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, Do you love me more than these? And he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, Feed my lambs. And he said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, Do you love me? And he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to them, Tend my sheep. Look at verse 17. And he said to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, Do you love me? Peter was grieved 
Because he said to him a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. I'm going to tell you two things from this about Easter's redemption. Because we've already seen Peter up to this point, right? We've seen the promises. We also see that Jesus looks back to fast the promises. We've seen the reality. We've seen the reality of what you can do when Jesus is with you. But we also see the reality of failure, right? And we see the desperation. But I want to show you the redemption. And some of you here today, you need to hear the redemption. Because you think, there's no way. There's no way. Here's what I want you to see. The risen Jesus reaches out, first of all, number one. The risen Jesus reaches out. What do you, what do you mean by that, George? Well, I want you, if you know the story of the Gospels, you know that when Jesus first meets Peter, he's what? Fishing. And, and he, he says, have you caught anything? Remember earlier in the Gospel, have you caught anything? No, Lord, we've been out all evening and it's been a, a wasted night. Well, well, cast down a little bit. Get, let me in with you. Let me go out with you a little bit. And, and, and he says, cast the net over on this side. We know, Lord, we've been fishing all night. We didn't catch nothing. Peter said, but yet, I'll do what you asked me to do. And he pulled in a big, huge net of fish that day. And immediately, Peter says, get away from me. I'm a wicked man. That's when he first met Jesus. Isn't it interesting that in chapter 21, here's a man who feels he's done. Jesus comes and meets him, again fishing, tells him where to fish, pulls in a huge net. Jesus is the one who reaches out. You and I need to grasp that. Look, so they're having a meal, and you can you can almost you can almost feel what Peter's feeling, right? He's feeling kind of sheepish there. Wouldn't you feel sheepish? I mean, you just told somebody, made some big promises, and the guy says to you, "Do you really think that you're going to deny me?" He does it. In fact, one of the other gospels says, as soon as he did it the third time, Jesus looked up and looked at him. You think he's carrying that? And he's there with the meal. He's carrying that. And guess what? Who starts the conversation? Jesus. Do you love me, Peter? Do you love me? See, some of you need to know that the risen Jesus that we're celebrating today, he reaches out to you right where you're at in the midst of your failure. That's awesome. And you're desperate for that. He reaches out right where you are. He reaches out to you. Here's the second thing I want you to see. Jesus meets us at the point of our brokenness. I mean, think about it. I mean, Peter's probably just like me at first... I don't get things sometimes the first time. Jesus, Peter, do you love me? Yeah, yeah, I love you, Lord. You know, I love you. Peter, do you love me? The second time, yeah, you know, Lord, yeah, I love you. The third time, boom, click. Do you love me, Peter? 
Why three times? He denied him three times, right, folks? And as soon as the third time happened, do you love me? Look at what the text says. He was grieved in his heart. It was like the reality of all his failure was right there. And what does he say to Jesus? Lord, you know I love you. You know all things. You know my failure. Some of you need to do that today, folks. He reaches you right in the point of your brokenness. Some of you need to say to him, Lord, you know my failures. You know I made that promise. You know I said I would follow you and do whatever for you. But I was disappointed, Lord. I was on my own. I did my own thing. I failed. He reaches you right there. Isn't that awesome? That God would reach you right where you're at? In the point of your brokenness? See, that's redemption, folks. That's what Easter's about. It's not about being perfect. It's not about having your act together because we don't have our acts together, do we? And again, if you think you got it, talk to me afterwards, okay? Because we don't. Here's the wonderful thing about Easter. See, we look at the broken promises, right? Remember the promise, Jesus, I'll do anything, I'll die for you. He still fulfills the promises. What do you mean? Look with me, the next verse there. Verse 18. Most assuredly, this is Jesus speaking to Peter, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. Verse 19, this he spoke signifying by what death he would glorify God. Jesus is saying to him, Peter, you'll fulfill your promise to me. And he did. See, this is the wonderful thing about redemption. This is what I want you to hear. You made promises, remember? And you messed up. But in your mind, you think there's no chance anymore. It's over. But I want you to see that he meets you right at the point of your brokenness, but he can take and fulfill the promises that you make. That's redemption. He redeems everything. Listen to what David says in the Psalms, my favorite Psalm, my favorite verses. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in them. Though he yet stumble, he will not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his hands. God's got a plan for your life. You made promises to him. He'll fulfill them. Do you not think that the sovereign God did not take into account your mess-ups? His plan includes your mess-ups. This is the victory of Easter, folks. This is what it's about. It's about redemption. 
our redemption. Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.